Good morning, everyone. Last week of chapel. Last week of school. Then finals. And I, I know that, uh, let's begin. Uh, I know you're looking forward to wrapping all this up, and it's time for a break. We've had several chapels this year where we've had some good dialogues together, and maybe you think back to Suzanne Stabil being here and uh, tweeting with her, and, and uh, we've had another one where we watched a video, and we felt like that went pretty well. We wanted to try it again with one of these videos that sort of drew the attention of a lot of folks, uh, and it was about the Christian faith, and we thought, let's just show this and talk together about it because we enjoyed that so much the last time. I want you to meet our conversation partners, some of the ministers around Waco, Baylor campus. This is Craig Nash, who is one of the pastors at University Baptist Church, or UBC as we call it. This is Katie Reed. She's the rest. Got some Soro girls here. This is the resident chaplain at South Russell. And of course, Jared Slack, who is one of the chaplains here at Baylor. They're gonna be our conversation partners. And, uh, I suspect most, lots of you will have seen this video, but we're going to show it, and go ahead and get your phones out because we're going to let you tweet us questions, and uh, we'd really like to have a conversation with you, so I know you're going to be tempted to do other things with all that, all your electronic devices, but engage with us, okay? Marty, you ready to go? Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station is the fish? 104.3, the fish. Safe for the whole family. You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you'd give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group, community group, access group, accountability group, Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's Seeker. Don't they do Seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's not enough meat, you know? Are they non-to-non? -non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're gonna have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. Need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart, though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? Yeah. Well, bounce your ass. Bounce your ass. Dang it! Crap! Shoot! Sheesh! Frit! Darn it! What the H? Holy crap! Son of a beasting! Dude, he's really teeing me off. I'm gonna kick his A. Are you asking me right now? Not cool. I find that offensive. All right. 
many, did you laugh the first time you saw this? Yes, and second and third and, and fourth. Second, and yeah. So, so what makes you laugh? And y'all go ahead and start sending some questions for these guys. I think I laugh because it's, it's, uh, it's about me. It's accurate. And, that, and that's, uh, that's what yeah, you do. I mean, you I, laugh I, I laughed and then I kind of cried a little bit because it's my story too. And I've said 75% of the things that that video has in it. So, I mean, it's, like I said, yeah, it's my story as well. Um, I laugh at the words, obviously, but also at this, um, uh, the way they portrayed, the way we use that language as if, um, you know, we'll talk about insider language here, but as if the insider language we have is just universal, that, um, of course, everyone speaks like this, and so we're not even going to qualify anything, but we're just going to talk like this, because this is how real people talk. And for me, it's funny that people would assume that that's how we make all sorts of assumptions. I'm not sure if this is a question or not. Let me see. How about the last part of the video that mocks Christians who always warp language so they can clean curse? I think... I like the, the statement that begs a question because it kind, of gets, uh, it kind of gets to the heart of the nature of language in the sense that I somehow feel better saying shoot versus the other option, right? Um, or dang or crap, you know, like all those words that I've kind of like, I grew up and I mean, I remember when I was like six and I said crap for the first time. It was like, uh, I feel like I was treading on this kind of unsettled ground a little bit. But I did know that it was better than the other option. And then whenever I, whenever I became a believer, um, I knew that there are clear lines on what language was okay to say. But well, here's our version of those words. If you, if you need to express yourself in this way, well, here's the words that are okay to use. Just the same way with, I mean, I remember in my youth group in high school, there was a poster on the back wall of my youth room and it was a poster that listed all of the secular bands that were really popular at the time, and then on the other side, it gave the option. If you like, then you'll. If like. you like them, like so, back in the day, which is never true. This will date me a lot. So, <laughs> back in the day, it was Blues Traveler, and so there was like this guy that played harmonica, and the op the option was this band called Satellite Soul, and so I immediately went out, tossed my Blues Traveler CD into the woods behind my house, and then went to the Christian bookstore and bought Satellite Soul. You know, like. That's what we do. We create, we create lines. We say this is what's outside. This is what's inside. This is what's good. This is what's bad. And I, 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 that's what that person's getting at. Why do you think they, they made the video? Because these guys are Christians. Um, yeah, I, you know, I um, found out that the, these two guys are connected to North Point Church in um, uh, Atlanta, I believe. Yeah. Um, Why did they make it, do you think? Um, I think they, like Katie is, was saying, is that this is kind of us. And so um, I think they're um, recognizing kind of a little bit of navel-gazing almost of um, analyzing who evangelicals can tend to be. Um, and I guess probably how you react to the video will answer how you, what you think they <laughs> meant by it. Uh, how many it, of you giggled a little bit? Anybody would say, yeah, I thought that was a little offensive to anybody. Most everybody. <laughs> well, talk about, uh, someone said insider language. Uh, what's, what's good about that? I mean, talk about where that can be helpful and to us. Well, I think it's inevitable that we're going to create language that we all have in common. I mean, even groups of friends, you, 
you have inside jokes, you have words that you go to that the other person connects with. I think it's natural to have language in common. I mean, even we all speak English because that's what we have in common. And within, within that, within Baylor communities, within South Russell, we have these niche phrases and words and things that are funny and that re one word can recall a lot. And so, I mean, there's, there's good things about that and that it's natural and it's a progression of culture. Yeah, we all, um, every inside community has language that is shorthand for something else. So a good example of that would be the echo language and, um, and the prayers that they pray. So, I mean, it can be difficult to say when Bert's praying about something and, you know, it just takes a long time for me to say, and God, I would like to affirm Bert's need in this and, and you know, add my own words to it. So we could take a whole paragraph of words and just say, I, I, echo, I echo that, yeah. Which isn't necessarily so it, always a helpful thing. Right, so it functions, but it also uh, is a way of conveying that you're known, that you're part of something. Well, t tell them the one about the office. <laughs> this is good, though. There's a joke on that. Y'all watch The Office, right? Or did when it was good, when Michael Scott was still on there. And so Michael Scott has this joke, and he says, I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one one day. Y'all know Michael. He's like totally which, which is the flip side an outsider. of this, though, yeah. isn't it? Uh, and Jared, you grew up Catholic, so you didn't grow up in this language. You grew up Methodist, didn't grow up in this language. You grew up in East Texas, which is another country. Talk about... Uh, You've got a story with this that I think is important to tell about yeah, going to Kansas. I do. Yeah, so I grew up Methodist, and there's just a different, we use different terminology and language. And, and then I went to college and got involved with Christians. But really when this, when I kind of came in contact with this um, vocabulary is when I started working at a camp called Pine Cove. Y'all heard of Pine Cove? Nope, okay. Uh, well, there's this camp in East Texas called Pine Cove Christian Camps. And uh, it... I got there as like a 19 year old and they were all using this entire terminology. Not only, to, they were dressed in a very certain way that's like chacos and y'all know, you're aware, uh, the camp culture. And I d was not, I just didn't, I grew up in a, a culture where like Nikes were cool, not really chacos and, and, and all this whole language that I was totally uh, in every way, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> an outsider on. I had not come in contact with any of this and <coughs> it was really, I, uh, I struggled with uh, trying to fit into that new culture. Did you wrestle with it or struggle with it? I, I wrestled with that struggle. <laughs> what, did, you, did you make shifts because of the language you were hearing or was it just you felt outside? No, I tried as quickly as possible to pick it up and get on the inside. Yeah, yeah sure. I wonder, we asked this uh, early, how many of you came here to Baylor and heard this language being spoken and your immediately thought was, what in the world are they saying and talking about smattering, smattering of people? And that's part of my story too. I mean, I was born and raised Catholic and it wasn't until um, I was in high school that I made a move from being uh, a Catholic to being a Protestant, to being a Baptist. Um, and, and really that shift happened for me, not so much in, in that I, you know, became familiar with the Baptist tradition and started going to the church and it really resonated with me and I so I made this kind of decision that you know this is who I kind of want to be it was because I was surrounded by people at school and people that I really like I mean they were the cool people and I wanted to be part of their group 
and I noticed the language that they used. And the language that they used was not the same language that I used. And what it did is it created a deficiency in me. It created a sense in my own self that I was lacking something. And so if I, if, and so if I wanted to belong to these people, I needed to learn their language and be able to communicate with them in a very meaningful way. And so I made a move over to this tradition. A lot of it was because I felt like an outsider and I wanted to be an insider. Um, and so that's, I think that's what this language does, is it, is, it, is it can create a sense within another person coming from a different tradition. If we talk about spirituality <coughs> in such a way that it's very insider, it creates this need to say that, well, the way that we're doing it is the right way, and the way that you're doing it's not the right way, and it's shown, and it's very obvious because you just don't understand what we're saying. I think this is a, a, a very important question, and I want to make the move from the fact that some people can feel inside or outside, and that can be really hard, particularly on young people, uh, to the, the words and, and language dictate something in us. They, they push us, and they kind of form us, and this is a very interesting way of saying it. Are we more of a slave to our culture than we are a slave to Christ? And you might think there in terms of maybe uh, the, the culture around Christianity Let's kind of bring it to that, which includes our language. Yeah, I don't know if this will touch on this um, question at all. First of all, um, obviously the answer is Christ. We're supposed to be a slave to Christ and not a slave to our culture. But um, Christ came to us within a particular time in history and a particular historical culture. And I think sometimes um, uh, we, we've rightly deified Christ, um, but sometimes we, we try to deify the culture in which he came out of. And so... I know that that brings a lot of things, but you talked about words and how they form us and culturally. Uh, I just noticed this in this um, this time watching it. So words mean something, and sometimes we we have a whole theology of God that's wrapped around a word that we don't really think about that may actually be opposite from our what we actually believe about God. So um, this idea of an accountability partner. Um, they said there, would you hold me accountable to that? So that word accountable is very much, um, when I hear the word accountable, I think of a ledger um, that we are accounting for um, behavior. And so you unpack that a little bit and that language opens up this works theology idea of um, my faith and how I, how I um, interact with God is really all about making sure the ledger is balanced, which most people who have accountability partners would say, that's not what I believe about God at all. But the root of this word um, kind of indicates that that's what we're saying. More thoughts maybe on this. Uh, are we more accountable to a, accountable to a culture of around Christ or to Christ? Is yeah, well, when I read that, I think, I'm projecting, but I think whoever wrote that was kind of hinting at maybe we are more uh, slaves to our Christian culture than we are to Christ. Like maybe that's a big fault in what this is producing. And, and I, I would think, I think I, 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 that resounds with me. That's, I think that is somewhat true, especially like uh, you come to Baylor, you, you want to fit in, and you find this culture that accepts you, and it happens to be Christian. That's sometimes the way it is. And and so to fit in and to um, find your value, you end up uh, like kind of forming to a culture around you and, and you've become a slave to that culture and, and really 
sometimes some people don't actually connect with Christ in that process, and the process does it bypasses what that Christian culture was trying to do, which is bring people to know Jesus. But a lot of people, uh, they, they get what they thought they were looking for, which is like acceptance and love and this sense of belonging, and they get it in a Christian culture. And then they're slave to that culture, which is, which is not lasting and, and is not producing what you want it to do, and, but they do miss Jesus. I think that's fair. Yes, to the answer. And stepping back a little bit from even that, like, I mean, thinking about, like, I would push back against the word slave to culture. Um, I think that we are, we're bound to culture. And, and the reality is that I can't help but be bound to culture. I mean, because there's a reason right now that I'm wearing pants versus wearing, a, like, a grass skirt or something. Because it's culturally appropriate for me to wear pants in this situation. But I can think of another context in which I would be in a culture in which a person would be culturally appropriate for them to wear a grass skirt. You know, I mean, like, and so we are, we're bound to this because our culture is what creates this function within our community. It's, it's kind of like the unspoken language of how you and I interact with one another. And so I'm not a slave to it. I, I, or maybe it's that I have to accept that I'm bound to it, but I also have to be wary of becoming a slave to it. Maybe that might be a good way to approach it. Any other thoughts about being wary of Well, I, um, I don't know. I was just thinking as they were talking that I bet there's someone in, in here um, who, before they came to college, had a very deep, robust relationship with Christ and um, just was very much growing the way they understood it and probably came into this culture. I don't know if the original tweeter meant the wider culture or this particular culture we're making fun of, but they probably entered into this culture um, doubting everything that all this deep, rich, connection they had with Christ because they didn't use that language. Um, so I would love to speak with the original tweeter. I mean, that's, which, that's exactly which culture are we talking about. Yeah. So there's, there's Christian cultures that collide or that, that may not, that, that are referencing a completely different kind of experience. I think this is a good question. And I, I don't know that we could get in the minds of those who hmm. uh, made the video. I, I'd be real surprised if they were trying to degrade it. Uh, but your thoughts on that question? Are we allowed to ask the person who tweeted that if they can maybe unpack that question a little bit more? If they're willing, if not. E.G. Mallory, are you here? E.G. Mallory. I guess that's why we tweet it so we don't My have thought to be called out. My thought on this is that this thought about having a parallel culture kind of bothers me. Like, I mean, a separate culture, I think... The church should have its own distinct practices and uh, culture in that way. But having a, a culture like you're, the way that Jared presented with, like, if, if you like secular stuff, then here's the Christian version of it. That kind of parallelism, it bothers me a lot. And so... Can you unpack that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, sure. Because I think that if we draw stark lines between the sacred and the secular, you're missing a lot, maybe in both sides. God is everywhere. That's a theological like statement. And so to put him in certain things and not in others, to say that... Some music can bring you closer to God, but if it's, well, if it's Sufjan Stevens, because he's technically secular, then you might not get much out of it. And so, I mean, I think to draw a line that says, if you like Sufjan over here, well, toss your Sufjan and listen to something else. You're missing a ton of where God is in the world. I mean, if you're only looking for him in what we, as a Baptist youth group, deem sacred, then that kind of parallelism 
is terrible and will, I, I think, it lead to a really shallow and not enriching faith. So in that way, I, I don't like, is that what we do with curse words? I don't know, like, do I say, I say shoot in front of my mom so I don't offend her, and that's probably good. I don't know what that means if the real word is popping up in my mind. I mean, that's really complicated. I don't necessarily think having like cleaner words represents everything for, for me in that way. Is that fair? Did I get yeah. to something? One of the questions I would have as you think about parallel cultures would be, here's the problem for me. Often it, it's the church always standing over here trying to figure out what the culture's doing and go, okay, let me see if I can... I can sort of get on board with that, but I'll sort of do a Jesus version of it. And it's always a half a step behind. And so yeah. if we're always trying to find, that. Yeah, yeah, half a step has been very generous. Um, but if we're always trying to do that, we're always going to kind of miss the point, miss the point of living a life that is free. And, yeah, yeah. And I think it comes from our natural tendency um, to create, it's, it, I mean, I call it dualism. You know, it's, Inside out, good, bad, evil, um, holy, sacred, secular. Like it's, it's, it's this tendency within all of us. And I think it's just the primal nature within all of us to want to feel safe and to want to feel secure and to want to feel like I am in control of what's around me. And we see it play out in media and TV, politicians, everything. You know, everyone claiming that my way is the way to safety for you, so follow me in this way. And so we create language around that, and it just kind of shores up the basement, shores up the foundations below us to make us feel like, well, I know this language, I'm a part of this language, and whenever I say, you know, I've invited Jesus into my heart, there's something very concrete about that phrase. And so that I can go to other people and say, have you invited Jesus into your heart? Because, it's, again, it's a very concrete phrase. And that person can say to you, yes, I have invited Jesus into my heart. And so then you both know, okay, we're both in. We're both safe. And so whereas another person might come along and say, well, I mean, I've, I've placed my trust in God. Um, you know, I mean, I remember someone saying to me whenever I said that to them, they said, well, no, 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 but have you, have you asked him into your heart? And that there's a difference between those two things. Let's, let's go to this question. It's my here. favorite question so yeah, far. Yeah, I love this question. question. Yeah. Do, you, do, do you not think that using esoteric language is completely detrimental to the core message? Um, I mean, I would say absolutely. I think, uh, you know, our faith is an embodied faith, <laughs> meaning um, that everything that we believe within us is to be fleshed out in the same way that... Um, uh, God showed ultimate meaning through the person of Christ, which was not a shorthand for, um, for truth and, and who he is. Um, and so I think sometimes this language that we're making fun of is harmful um, in that um, it, it tends to turn into something that doesn't really mean much. Even though it may mean something to the, to the sayer, um, if, if it only means something to me and to Katie and to Jared and to the insiders, then we have to ask, does it really means, mean anything if it only means something to the insiders? Well, let me push on you a little bit there, though, because we have not only a pretty large canon, but we have 2,000 years of Christians talking to one another using language. And I know this semester in, um, in, in uh, the Christian tradition class, and you've heard some of that language, and you know, they're borrowing it from Greek philosophers. Uh, do we not have a calling to try to name what we have experienced also? And, and how, do, how do you balance that with the fact that, yeah, it seems like 
once you name it, you've drawn a line between you and somebody else. Somebody want to pick up on that? Well, I think, I hope I'm not straying too far from this. I do think that our initial experiences are really valid and we want to explain, we want to put words to that. We want to name what's going on. We want to name what's happening. And often that's where we, that's where this language starts is with a very significant experience that's real and sacred. And then we try to explain it and we put words to it. And, and those words are, are, they get more compact and more compact and they become this shorthand that, that then defines a group, but it's not, as, it's not, it becomes completely, um, Unmeaningful. That, that reminds me of that phrase in scripture, you know, all I know is I once was blind and now I see. I mean, that's, that's that putting, line from scripture. That line from scripture. You said that line from scripture. What's the matter? Is that not from scripture? That yeah, is from scripture. Well, it's, no, it's, oh, it is, yeah. it is from scripture. It's that is the, right. Yeah, all it's I know the blind is, man in John. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once, yeah. I mean, all I know is I was once blind, but well, now I see. I'm the pastor on stage here that doesn't know the scripture. Yeah. But. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, it's the blind man saying, all I know is I was once blind, now I see. And so it's like this experience that we have, and where I would I mean, I could even say of my own experience um, of placing my trust in God is, you know, there's, yeah, all I know is that I once was blind, and, and now I see, and that's all I got. That's, that's the best way I can explain it. But it's, it's, it's saying that phrase, but at the same time accepting that that's not the absolute you know, like that's not the absolute only way to say that. It's accepting at the same time that I say that all I know is that I was once blind and now I see. And that's the best way I can. And to say that that's the, just the best way, that's the best language I've got to explain the experience. You may have another way of talking about it. Yeah, Katie made a great point in, in the earlier chapel about, um, you know, we're kind of, in some ways we're talking about two different things. Because there is a language within the worshiping life of the community um, that I don't necessarily believe it's my job to make sure everyone understands that. And, um, uh, you know, as being someone who kind of plans worship services and thinks through these, we, we always struggle with this. Um, well, you, you're doing this, but will people really understand what this means? And my answer is usually, I've been in the Christian faith for give or take 38 years, and I don't understand what this means. And it, and it kind of elevates a certain type of knowing um, that if we can cognitively describe it, then we understand what, what it means. But there's a way of knowing that comes by doing. So there's one thing within worship, but it's another thing to carry these things that, that, have, that are kind of indescribable across culture um, and, and to move it out of the worshiping community. I don't know if I did justice to what you said. No, right. yeah, I was just, that's exactly right. I was talking about growing up Methodist, and there are certain, like, there's language in Methodist life and Catholic life and Episcopal life that's like the doxology and the Apostles' Creed, these things you say every Sunday that are very much insider. Uh, you go to, Bab if a, ba a Baptist friend would come with me, they would not be familiar with that. But I, it is less troublesome to me because once you leave church on Sunday, the doxology doesn't exactly become separating language for you at lunch or whatever. And so it's, I mean, I don't mind sacred things that need to be learned within church. Part of what I, I'm aware of as an evangelical is that we have a tendency towards getting a little more chatty about our experience perhaps than uh, Catholicism or those in mainline traditions, this sort of thing, for better or for worse. And I, and I want to reflect on that some. Let's see what we've got here. Let's come back to that. <laughs> That's a good question. So. Can, yeah, can can y'all talk a little bit about this sort of the more verbose nature of the way evangelicals talk and maybe others who are more careful with it? 
with their life. Yeah, so for those of us who grew up in an evangelical setting, um, you know, there's these two ideas of, of God. One is that he is wholly other and set apart, and it's, a very, it's the Psalms of God as, you know, um, a, a, a mighty rock, and he's, he's other. It's this Hebrew understanding that, that I am not God, um, and God is nothing like me. And then we have Jesus, who is the friend that sticks closer to a brother. Um, I probably just butchered scripture again, the, the pastor there. But we have this eminence idea that God is close to us and, and nearby. And so the church has always kind of struggled with this language. And we've kind of, uh, um, you know, different traditions tend towards one or the other. So more Catholic, um, our mainline tradition really holds apart God as holy other evangelicals tend to stress God is near. And so we, we start our prayers now with, um, hey, God. Um, I, I may have stepped on a few toes there because that, that might be how some of you address God. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with um, treating God as someone close by, um, but we kind of lose something of, of the distance of God. Anybody want to take that on? Well, I, just even as I'm reading the, even the first part of it, how do we get a concrete understanding? I, I would push back even to that um, because, again, that's coming from this, this desire for concrete, for safety, for security, and for what foundation. Is okay. yeah. yeah, and so it's this, it's, it's this tendency that we have to want to draw the lines and to have these concrete things for us. And, and so that's where I would begin is to say, well, what do you mean about... What, why do we need concrete? Why do I need such this kind of foundational sense of things so that way I can know exactly what is foul and abusive? Um, because, I mean, I think Scripture, the language that Scripture uses, I mean, it's, it's contextual. It's, it's, it's meant to be lived out in a community and to be figured out within a community and to be lived out. And it's, um, there's, a, there's a word I'm thinking of in my, um, in my head it's kind of this back and forth nature of things, this working out of things, working out of understanding, and it only comes out as we live in community with one another. Um, so in other words, a part of my, uh, part, of my part of the community that I'm a part of here in Waco, I'm part of a, a small group of people that come together on Thursday nights, and we have dinner, and we have conversation together. And so within that context would be, we would understand what would be foul and abusive language for our context. Well, that gets into then what does it mean for me to love my neighbor yeah. in any given place with any given person. And I think probably this too. There's no question that all of us, everybody's going to establish boundaries in their life if they're healthy at all, much less whether they have a faith. Those of us who have a faith know that somehow we've got to think concretely about where, where, where are those places where we say, I don't go there. This, I think, conversation is more about how we talk about that in, in lots of ways. I want to ask you this as we wrap up. Just what would you hope for Baylor students as they think on this, this question of how they convey uh, that reality that they were once blind and now they see, or they, what's happened in their faith? What do you want from them? I think for me this question is, the last tweet is a good thing for this, is I think that um, it's very important that we become conversant with people who have no clue about this, this language that we're talking about. Um, and I think our language needs to be shaped um, in different contexts. So there are things that I could say to, to y'all here that would mean, mean a lot to y'all, um, but would be 
offensive um, to someone else in such a way that would, would, would um, hurt my witness, to use <laughs> evangelical um, ease. Um, um, so yeah, I would just say that, that I think it's important for us to, to know which context we're speaking in um, and to be conversant in, in all of those, both in our native language and in the language of those around us. Last thoughts for you? Yeah, I think I would say really quickly, I mean, we've been bashing it, but I think it is okay to have this language. Like you, you will naturally have language within your community and your community of faith, especially. And so I don't want you to walk away thinking this is, I gotta toss everything and learn a whole new vocabulary. It's more, maybe we're pointing out the idea that some people aren't getting this. And so my like charge would be, um, be thoughtful with the words you use, especially with people that, just don't use the shorthand sloppily and try to convey an entire like truth of what you're learning in three words because that's easier and that's what the people around you are doing. And these things are complicated and they're deep and they're rich. So take the time to unpack them when it deserves that. I think that'll help with a lot of language issues that we have. And I remember my own spirituality as I was kind of growing up and especially in high school. My spirituality was, was really known mostly to me by being able to tell people about what I don't do. You know, well, I'm a Christian, so I don't go, I was from East Texas, so I don't go out to the middle of nowhere and drink beer with my buddies. Like, I don't do that. I don't curse. I, I don't listen to, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg or whatever it is that is, I don't know. Snoop Line. Oh, yeah, Snoop Line now, actually. Um, but anyway, so like, I don't do that. You know, I don't, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, and I'm not going to do that. And so that's what spirituality became known as. And I would just say that a mature spirituality moves away from you know, what I don't do to what I actually do. And so there's a hymn that we sing in my church. Um, it's called, They'll Know We Are Christians By Our Love. And, and so I think I would, I, would, I would encourage students to move less um, away from having a, a belief system and a way of um, talking about God that's just based merely upon words, but, you know, show it through actions and be known by who you are in the world. Um, there's a saying that says, you know, always be preaching the gospel and if necessary, use words. I would uh, add as we go, I think our belief systems change the way we love the world. So that's part of why you're here. I mean, we want to push the way you think and push the way you talk and nurture it because the way you talk nurtures what you think. The, way, the, the, the metaphors that you use enlarge your understanding of the gospel and of God and the world and your place in it. So as you go, bear in mind that what may just be a cliche that you've learned at church, uh, for better or for worse, has a whole lot to do with what you think and then how you love. This all matters. Everything belongs. Everything matters. And we want you to go and, at the very least today, be very curious about how it is you talk about the most important things in our life. Go in peace. <laughs>